Welcome to Chemistry Podcast, episode 121 from the Photography Show 2022. We've got all the brands here. We've got DJI over there. Um, we've got Vanguard, Sony, Canon behind us, Nikon over there. Uh, it's going to be an amazing show. There's loads and loads and loads to see, to learn, to touch. Um, it's going to be an amazing show. So I'm going to take you through. We're going to have a look at some uh, some of the stuff on offer here. I'm going to have a chat with loads of people because lots of uh, lots of our former guests are here, lots of friends of the show. And uh, it's going to be an amazing episode to look forward to. Right, we're here with Canon. Lots of new and exciting stuff happening at Canon. Uh, I'm here with Media Metal. Uh, Media, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. I'm already sweating. It's, it's so much on at the show today. It's incredible. It's, it's exciting for for the first day, um, and especially for me, um, the first event doing this role. Um, yeah, very exciting. And as you said, we do have um, exciting products, uh, especially the R10 and the R7 that we launched in May. So most of the photography show customers haven't actually seen those cameras. So we've been really busy talking about those. But we still have the R3 that we literally launched just before last year's TPS. Yeah, so last year we were one of the first people to see the R3 in action because I think it had been launched about three days before yeah. the show. It was the 14th. Uh, we launched it on the 14th and then three days later it was a photography show. And we were busy then. Um, but then again, the, the R10 um, and the R7, again, new um, technologies, they are our first um, APS-C RF and um, EOSAC cameras. Um, we brought even a couple of um, RFS lenses, um, so great addition um, to the EOSI range. They're small, um, compact and uh, more affordable, but they're actually packed with loads of um, professional features from even the R3. The autofocus, for example, is from the R3 on both cameras, which is amazing. Fantastic. You've also, since the last show, brought out the R5C. Tell me a little bit about that camera. That's one of my favorite ones on the video side. <laughs> um, so that is our, basically, it's, it's, a, bit, it's a true hybrid because with our Cinema EOS cameras, you usually get video capabilities when it comes to the still side. Um, the only option you can get around it is to get frame graphs, basically. Um, the, R, the R5C is our second um cinema camera with an RF mount after the C70, uh, but it's the first one that gives you full capabilities to take stills. Um, so the R5 capabilities on the still side, but a, a more advanced and more professional menu on the video side. It's basically the easiest way to describe it is one camera, two operating systems, an EOS um, photo system and a cinema EOS uh, menu on the same camera. And so it doesn't matter where you come from, whether you're a sales photographer or wants to go into, into a video, you're literally, you're used to the controls and you just flick a switch and it switches over to cinema mode. And you do get a lot more. Um, so for those, for example, that use the R5, which is great for video, um, you do get more professional formats. So you've got the XFAVC option for those not keen on the MP4. Uh, you can record RAW for as long as you need to, as long as you've got a memory card big enough. Um, and then because of the new uh, multifunction sheet that we have on the R3, for example, um, you can add professional XLRs um, and that obviously takes it to another level, um, which is said flexibility that you don't have on the, the stills cameras. One thing to mention, even the R7 and the R10 do have this new multifunction sheet, which means you can use those Tascam XLR adapters on those cameras as well. They don't have that limit. Um, one of the benefits going back to the R5C is because it's a cinema camera, it does have a fan 
which means you can record for as long as you want without having to worry about the camera overheating as well. Fantastic. You don't have that limit, that 30 minutes limit that you have with some of the proto cameras as well. Excellent. There's also something, uh, some new offerings on the lens side, I believe. Um, yes. So um, if we go in on the professional side, so in Feb, for example, we launched the um, RF 1200mm. It has been very, very popular here uh, on the lens bar. So if you haven't tried it, definitely worth testing it. The RF 800mm as well. Um, on the smaller side, um, we do have a, a new RF um, 24mm 1.8 uh, macro again. This show is the first show where we're actually um, showcasing that lens. Um, and a 1535 as well, again, um, a compact RF lens. And as always, as every year, Canon doesn't only showcase products, um, lenses, camera bodies. We also have a lot of stuff going on, um, educational stuff on the, on the stages. Say yeah. a bit about those. Um, so on the bite size stage, that's where if, you, if you've got, like, for example, an EOSAR system camera, you're not sure about how to set it up, um, or even for those that bought us an R5C or a C70 on the video side, and then, again, they're not sure how to set it up, that's the perfect place to be. Um, you'll learn, we have Dave um, Newton, he's been going through um, how to set up different um, EOSR system cameras, uh, focusing on the autofocus as well, because there is a lot that the EOSR system cameras can do, so many ways of setting it up, um, and hopefully on the bite size stage, you'll be able to learn that. The same on the video side with Elisa, and there is there are even talks on print. So for those um, interested in large format printers or the best way to to print their photographs, because you can have great images, but if you don't have the right printer and the right settings for print, you might not get the results that you're after. Um, and then we have our own big stage or the live stage. Again, inspirational talks um, from a wide range of speakers, most of the speakers that we've never had here before as well. Um, we have um, one probably to mention is um, Heathcliff Almali, who is a press photographer. Um, I think one of the interesting stories is the fact that he was actually in New York when during the 9-11. So I think that's one of the stories that he was going to um, discuss during his talk. Um, we have um, kind of royal ballet dancer turned photographer uh, from the Birmingham Royal Ballet as well. Um, basically talking about his journey, uh, be moving from a dancer to a photographer. We have filmmaker as well. Um, yeah, a wide range of genres as well. So I definitely, for those who are at the show, I would, I mean, the talks are free to join um, as long as, especially for the live stage, you might need to get there early if you want to guarantee a seat. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, as always, every year, you know, uh, that's what we expect from Canon. Lots of great new products, lots of great new learning experiences. Um, I'm so thrilled to see you guys again this year. And uh, thank you, Medea. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're here with Kaylee Greer. Kaylee, how are things? So good. Oh my gosh. This is my first time ever at the photography show and I'm loving it. There's so much energy. There's so much going on. I, I love that. And after two years-ish, two plus years of being stuck inside, I'm a massive extrovert. So I'm always looking for somebody to talk to. <laughs> so it's been amazing just to be around so many like-minded people and everybody's passionate about the same thing. And it's just so beautiful and inspiring to be here amongst all these creatives. So you're doing a number of um, talks at a photography show. Tell me what you're talking about. 
Okay, so the first, well, actually, I'm doing one, like, really big official one, um, and that is on the super stage. It's crazy. I'm so excited. That's on Tuesday, and that's called The Secrets to Capturing the Best Dog Photos Ever. I hope I don't, like, blow it up to be too much. It's got to, it's got to really, like, it's really going to live up to the name. It's got to deliver. Um, so that's on Tuesday, and I'm so excited about that. And then I've been doing book signings at my publisher, Rocky Nook's booth. Um, and then I just did a live um, podcast interview with uh, Dave Clayton and Glenn Dewis from He Shoots, He Draws podcast. That was a ton of fun. I've never done a podcast live, so I'm pretty happy with that. And uh, now I'm just chilling, hanging out. So you've just been doing a number of um, uh, workshops up in Scotland. Did you come directly from Scotland down here? Or? Actually, I had a little break first. I was home for like about a month or so before this. And then after this, I'm going to Spain for another set of workshops. Um, and I have like five days at home before I turn around and come right back overseas. So, but I had to go home to see my dogs. I got to give them a big squish because they've been very patient waiting for me this whole year of my weird, wild adventures. <laughs> How many dogs have you got? I'm two. And they're the lights of my life. They are so magical. I can't stand it. They teach me what it is to be good. They teach me about joy every day. They teach me how to be a good human, how to forgive, how to love. And they truly fill up every moment of my life with yellow sunshine. One of their two rescue dogs, um, two rescued pit bull mixes, and one of them only has three legs. And so she teaches me a lot about resilience and, and forgiveness, like I said, because she went through some hard stuff before I met her, which is how she lost her leg. Um, so she, she really is um, kind of like my little personal dose of magic every day. Are they used to modeling for you already? Yeah, yeah, they're really, really used to it. And lucky for me, they're both absolute monsters for treats. So they love treats so much, they're happy to do quite literally anything as long as I bring some like pepperoni or beef jerky or peanut butter. So my dog is completely toy motivated. He doesn't give a damn about, about treats whatsoever. But as soon as you got a tennis ball, he would do anything. That's amazing. So so often I find that in like border collies and, and breeds like that, where they're like, so they actually couldn't, you know, like you said, give a damn about, about food, which is interesting. And sometimes when I get on location for like a big job and my dog model doesn't like treats, and I find that out pretty quickly at the beginning, I like internally panic and go, oh my God, how am I going to do this today? <laughs> it's so hard. But if they love a ball or a toy or something else, then you can kind of use that in place of treats. So that's cool. As long as they like something, we're good. So my daughter, who's 11, who's, who loves dogs and loves photography and inspired by your book, has decided that she wants to be a photographer, apparently. Um, she got this little squeaker thing that works like a treat on our dog. So she squeaks it once and he stands her attention straight away. Do you use like similar tricks? Yeah, exactly. That's perfect. She already knows. See, she's going to be a star. Um, yeah, that's a huge one is the little squeakers that go like inside the dog's toys. Those are like meant to emulate prey, right? Like, um, I hate to think of it, but like prey and distress. So, so taking those out of the, out of the speed, well, you can leave them in the toy, but it makes it a little easier as you're photographing to just use a little squeaker. Um, that is an awesome way to do it. And then if they don't respond to that, you could try weird stuff like a harmonica or, um, sometimes I use like, like hunting calls, like calls that they use for like duck calls and rabbit calls and stuff like that. Makes you blow it. Yeah, yeah, you blow into them. Exactly right. Um, and if not that, then you can use your own voice. You can do like weird stuff with your voice. You can bark. You can and you can kind of build up like, you know, kind of thing. And as you as you get higher in pitch, you get those like head tilts. You know what I mean? And that stuff is so endearing in photography. So you can't worry about looking like an idiot in front of lots of people when you're photographing dogs. I think as my, my dog would attest to that, I 
always look like an idiot in front of him. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. The nice thing about dogs is they don't judge you and they always love you, no matter what, even after they've seen you naked. <laughs> well, <laughs> not sure about that, but if you, if, if you had one tip for somebody who wants to get into photographing their pet, if you had one tip, what would it be? Make it a positive experience. I know that sounds like really cliche and kind of boring, but the thing about it is like often I'll meet people and they're like, oh, my dog like hates the camera. They always say that. My dog gets, you know, whenever I take out my phone, he immediately like turns away. And there is a reason for that. It's very common because people make it really stressful for the dog. The second they take the, the phone or the camera out, they want something out of the dog. And so they get a little bit like their energy gets a little bit like tense and they get frustrated if the dog doesn't work for them quickly. It's kind of like with your own child, right? Like you get more frustrated with your own kid than you would with someone else's kid, right? So with your own dog, it's the same way. You have to have a ton of patience and you make it super positive because usually people make it kind of negative for them. They go, oh no, here comes that box that makes my life heck for a minute, right? Because my owner goes like, look, 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 fluffy, 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 look. And it's just, it's too much. The energy's bad. So you take out the phone and then you immediately cover it in treats. And then you say like happy things like, oh, we're going to go do like, we're going to have a photo shoot. And you're like, raise your voice up and you just make it like the heavens are going to open up and treats are going to pour into their open mouths. And you know, I think that's generally when it comes to um, your dog behavior, it's generally a thing that your energy really reflects on a dog. I've just recently um, got my dog used to having his teeth brushed and he was terrified at first. And now that we've turned it into a game, into a fun experience, he loves it. He just basically every evening, because apparently we have to brush his teeth every evening. I don't know why, but that's the thing. Um, sort of vet says anyway. But um, but he now loves it. It's like a game to him. And it's really just because we changed our energy, I think. Exactly. You're 100% right. It's like you know a little bit about like dog training and dog body language. And I always say, by the way, your dog must have the cleanest teeth in all of Germany. Well, <laughs> that's pretty good. Every single night. Um, but uh yeah, I mean, I think I always say that anybody who's trying to get into like dog photography or pet photography, if they have a training an animal training background, they have a huge leg up on the rest of us. They already have like 50 percent of what they need to be successful at the job. The thing is like that really translates into portrait photography as well, because as a portrait photographer, I know that if I can connect with the human in front of me, then it's going to make everybody's life um, easier. You know, the client will have an easier experience and it's going to be more fun and the results are going to be better that's exactly right i mean you're 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 hitting that nail right on the head it's the same thing it's like you want to make your subject comfortable in front of the camera and with dogs the added challenge is that they don't speak english you know what i mean but it's the same idea it's like connecting with them letting them give you like parts of their personality not necessarily trying to like manhandle that out of them but letting them deliver it to you and and that's i think the difference between you know when you see work maybe of of pet images that maybe looks a little forced or the pet maybe looks slightly uncomfortable it's because i think something was kind of trying to be like physically really drawn out of the animal rather than being patient enough to wait for them to give it to you which is very similar to a human portrait subject absolutely at the end of at the end of the day we're all animals too that's how i see it (laughs) Haley. it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you um thank you for giving us some time and uh hopefully we'll see you on the podcast for a full episode soon yes i think so we're gonna make that happen definitely i'm so excited Great. That's Katie Greer. We'll see you soon. See what the cat dragged in? Which <laughs> cat? Oh, yeah. Do you remember that one? Same as last year, yeah. Got enough buzz. How you doing? I'm here with Tommy Reynolds. Tommy, it's great to see you at the show again. Great to see you, man. Great to see you. So you've been doing some talks. 
I have, yes. I've been doing a mixture of talks on external stages and also working on the PixPro stand, which weren't here last year. So I'm glad that they're back here. So I'm doing a mixture of demos and uh, talks as well. So what, what were you demoing at the PixPro stand? Uh, so they've got some brand new products this year. So they've got some flat hack softboxes, which we've been playing around with. They've got a brand new optical snoot as well. So we've been having fun with uh, those brand new modifiers on the Victor Sands. Yeah. What were your talks about? The talks, I'm giving a couple of talks on the Turning Pro Masterclass stage, talking about the realities of going pro. So a few years ago, I spoke about maybe the uh, the, ro- the, the, the all singing, all dancing nature of becoming a freelancer and how good it can be. But realized I didn't really talk about any of the realities of what really happens behind the scenes. So I hope it didn't, it didn't, it was a negative point, a negative way, but more empowered people to stop them making any naive decisions that maybe I made at grow, growing into it. So yeah, it was talking more about the realities of going pro. I'm talking on the photo live stage, doing a demo there about, about Woodrate. And I'm doing one more on the photo live stage, talking about videos specifically for photographers. So the introduction and how you can utilize it as not only a marketing tool, um, but also it's just a great thing to have and you don't need to have it in, have it in manual mode. You can shoot great content, even if it is in auto. Fantastic. Or the other thing that's new compared to last year is of course you've become a father. I have become a dad. Yeah, he's five months old already. It's gone so quick, so quick. <laughs> Did you find it? Like, how, how, do you, how do you find it dealing with having, you know, a newborn or having a toddler around and trying to do, you know, trying to get all your photography work in, editing and all the rest of it? Um, well, taking this in particular, the show in particular, I had a wedding the day before the first day. Uh, so I shot back, went home, did, did my daddy duty, um, helped with the night feed and then got to bed about two, woke up at three, was in the, on the road back again at four to get here. So I didn't have much sleep that night. But in general, yeah, it's, uh, I thought I had my time management skills down, but when, as you all know, when, uh, when you become a dad, you, you, you've got, you, you've got to have it down. And I was actually talking about that very thing during my turning pro talk about the realities of going pro and talking about how becoming a dad, you, you really have to nail it. So yeah, now, now I almost treat my job, even as a freelancer, like a nine to five job. Um, and then once I'm done, I am done. I am with my family. I'm with my boy. And finding that, finding that harmony, that, that work-life balance. It's really easy as a creative to get to that point where you end up working 24-7. But when you have the responsibilities of, you know, of a child or a family in general, it's so important to just limit that, you know, and, and concentrate on spending time with your loved ones. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think, again, finding that work-life balance, it was my last slide in my tool, find the key to success i used to think i used to think the key to success was progression i had that mentality before i we moved into a home before i was married before i had a kid which was only two years ago by the way all of those things i've done so much growing up in that time but even on the stages i said the key to success is progression if you're not progressing you're not succeeding but now i don't believe that is right i think that's the wrong mentality as you said where you can easily work 24 hours and neglect your family your friends so now I believe the key to success is harmony and finding that work-life balance, which, as we know, is so important. Absolutely. What is the one thing that you're looking forward to the most when coming to the photography show? Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say about George, about, about <laughs> my boy growing up. <laughs> okay. Uh, obviously, the social element, of course. It's so nice to finally put names or faces to names that you've seen who you might be following online or they've been following you. Yeah. This is the one thing in the calendar that I just loved. I love to come to. It's my favorite thing. I love just meeting up with new people and 
old friends as well, of course. Um, definitely the social element is my favorite part. Fantastic. So for all of you, you know, if you're thinking about coming to the photography show, remember that it's not just about the latest gear, the latest lenses, the latest camera bodies. It's really all about meeting people. Tommy, thank you so much for talking to us. And I'm sure we'll have you on the show in the not too distant future. Thank you so much, man. Take care. Remember, listen to the audio version when you're driving. To mix things up a little on the Camera Shake podcast, I'm Dave Williams. Uh, I've been on the show three times, which I think is more than Tommy, just so you know. Uh, and this is Larry, Larry Tiefenbrunn from New Jersey, USA, who designed, invented, came up with, manufactured, came up with all the solutions for, put to market, everything you need to do, basically, to run a product, did the Platypod and the Platypod. We're here at the photography show at the NEC, so he's overseas, having a great time, meeting a load of Brits. But Larry... Yes, sir. What is the story of the Platypod? How did it happen? The story of the Platypod? I've been on the on podcast once. I don't know how you got on there three times. Been all right. <laughs> the story is that we started out, my wife and I were on a trip in Utah to Bryce Canyon, and we trotted down about 1,000 feet. What is that in meters? About 300 meters? 300. Yeah, which was very nice on the Navajo Trail. And I was carrying along with me a five-pound traveler's tripod. And no problem going down. Then coming up, there was the issue. We had to stop several times, breathless. Uh, it was difficult. I looked around to see what I could do to take a portable tripod with me that was heavy-duty and didn't take up any space in my camera bag. And you know the twisty, bendy ones. They're very nice, but don't really handle very heavy-duty equipment. Yeah. And they take up the space, basically, of a telephoto lens. Yeah. Who wants to do that? So I was looking for a plate. And as it turns out, nobody made one. So I got together with a friend who's in the metals business, and we said, we could do this. And we put together an older version of this, but basically an aluminum plate with a titanium bolt in it. And that is where the Platypod story began and has grown ever since. So... The reason I use it is similar, it's for weight saving, but quite often it's for weight saving when I particularly need to do a long exposure or a time lapse or something like that where I need the stability or to evade the tripod police. Oh, yes. So these people are interesting people. They wear yellow jackets. They're quite often uh, very excited by their jobs and keen to come and tell you that you're not allowed to use a tripod. Where do you find the tripod police? Cathedrals, churches, public uh, museums, galleries. Some some open areas like London in Trafalgar Square. Have you ever been turned away with a platypod? Never. So here's the thing. They, they, they look at you and they see the camera and they see the platypod and then they think about it for a minute and they think that's not a tripod. Do I deal with this? I don't know. And then by the time that thought process has gone through, you're done and you're out. You've got your picture and, they, and they've not done a single thing about it because it's not a tripod. So you're not breaking the rules, but you're achieving what you need to as a photographer. But Dave, you're a strong guy. Can't you just handhold? I mean, when? why do you need a tripod when you're out in the field? I can just hold it rock steady like that. No, well, that's I mean, the thing. I guess there's certain images that... Climbing a mountain. This, this is the exact setup that I used in Norway. Climbing a mountain. I needed behind-the-scenes photos of me, which you've actually got on your screen there. Um, I needed photos of the mountain. I needed... A lot of stuff, but basically the incline on that mountain was something ridiculous. It was like that. And so I didn't want to carry a big heavy tripod. I wanted to just take minimal kit 
and see what I could achieve. Uh, sometimes a few seconds, sometimes even fractions of a second, though. You have to be stable for fractions of a second if you're beyond, I don't know, one twentieth. And and it, it solves all those problems. I use a platypod all the time. And so you've talked about the ultra. And now we have the extreme. The newest iteration, which which came from the uh, it came from uh, the latest Kickstarter. Now we've got one. Came from our latest Kickstarter. And what it's done is it's replaced the older version of the Max. But please tell me how and why. Okay, well, Max was a great unit, but we had a few complaints. And one was the weight. It was approximately 13 ounces. We were able to cut down a third of that weight, so it's now 9.6 ounces. You'll have to make the conversion uh, to metrics. But the biggest thing that we wanted to improve on was the spike system. I went out in the field and it took me about a minute and a half to two minutes to place all the spikes in place because I had to go on a rock surface. It was a little bit uneven and I wanted a very rock steady shot. So what we decided to do was to put in hinges, same spikes, but a hinge system. So now all you have to do is pull, twist, lock. Turn around, pull, twist, lock. And I can do this in a matter of about three seconds. And if you'll notice, it comes around, comes out in a trapezoidal shape, which is intrinsically very, very stable. So once you set this down, it's rock steady. It's not going to shift around. You can adjust it if the surface is very uneven. So you can put these up or down. You can even lock them further into place by using these round nuts. But again, when you're in the trapezoid configuration, you don't have to. If you want to put them vertical with our rubber feet down, all you do is pull, twist, and again, come around like this. We have several positions, fixed positions here, so that you can achieve that. By the way, don't be afraid of the very sharp spikes. If you do supply some little rubber tips, protective tips, so you don't want to scratch your fingers when you do that. But there's something else interesting about this. First of all, all the tips park themselves into a little tiny notch on the side here. So this is smooth. You won't snag your clothing on the bottom of it. But let's say you want to hang this off of a chair or a door. You can put it in this position right here. Oh, face back. And Dave, I think you did this to place it onto a 45 degree rock uh, uh, ice wall. But now you can just hand the this. On the back of the jury, there's a, yeah, there's a photo of it uh, right on there because the spikes are so sharp. This will even grip on, on ice at a sharp angle, yeah. but you can hang this. I hung it on a, a bridge uh, fence post in Switzerland recently. Right. Reinforced it with the strap. Right. And it was great for long exposures. So a lot of great, great features here. You'll notice that there are all these little slots here so that if you want to strap it onto a pole, a tree, a railing, you can do that as well. Handle to carry it with. Let me tell you. Carabiner holes to carry it on a carabiner. My favorite thing, uh, as well as the speed, uh, my favorite thing about having the spikes attached is I can't lose them. They're never going anywhere. They're not in a pouch. I don't have to throw them away. They're literally attached the whole time. Which means you don't have to send me any more spares. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> very, very nice. Um, so let's move on, though, because that's not it. Did you want to talk about Platterball? I'd love to. So I can see some on that table just there. We can steal them from shit. So may I ask what Platterball? Okay. So this is basically the this is head, gorgeous. bullhead reimagined. That's Hilmar Smith Red? It's Hilmar Smith Red. So this is the bullhead reimagined. And I remember that 
consultancy and the discussions that we had about this, but I'd love you to explain, because I know what my favorite things are, but I'd love you to explain. Well, there's, there's a few main features. Number one, most ball heads, almost all ball heads, have the panning stage at the bottom, and that presents a certain problem. If your panning is at the bottom and your legs are not even, I'll exaggerate this, if the panning is at the bottom, even though you level the top, once you begin panning, you're going to pan off level and your lens is not going to be able to pan straight across. We've reversed that by putting the panning at the top. So now, even though the base is grossly off level, when I loosen this, you pan nice and straight all the way, all the way across. So that's problem number one solved. Problem number two is a lot of these tripods have similar knobs in three directions coming out, poking into your equipment, and difficult to decide which knob does which function. Not so with platable. With this, you simply wrap your hand around. It's going to be your left hand because your right hand is for the shutter. And to loosen it, you simply pump the bottom and it loosens. It's a, it's a mechanical mechanism here. It's not electronic. And then to tighten it, you tighten with the top one. For the panning head, there's this uh, wheel here. You just pull it back and that panning head is nice and loose. You push it forward and it locks very, very solid. Want to shoot at 90 degree angle? You can do 90 degrees to the right. You can do 90 degrees to the left because we have notches on both sides. The clamp on top is fully ARCA compatible. David, if you'll hold the bottom over here, the skipper, if I can, that. Okay. And as you can see, you just simply twist. You hear a, ra a ratcheting sound. Camera's on nice and tight. Make sure it's secure. And that's it. You're on. And to remove the camera, you simply twist. And you come out like this. Now, we do supply, if you don't have an ARCA plate, we do supply the world's first. We try to innovate everything. The world's first round ARCA plate. So instead of using coins, D-rays, uh, screwdrivers, Allen wrenches to put this plate on your equipment. All you have to simply do is put it on, spin it, it's locked, and you're ready to mount that right onto there as well. So now, one feature you will not find anywhere else, because this is patented, is the world's first electronic leveling indicator. So we simply flick up this button, lights go on, and it goes into leveling mode, and let's make that medium brightness here, which is what I usually recommend. We have three levels of brightness, high, medium, low, and I'm doing this in midair, so. So it's tricky doing that down a bit. Okay, there. get four arrows on there, and you're perfectly leveled to within a half a degree. If you want to hear more about this, you go to our website, platypod.com, and you'll get plenty of information about all of our products. We also have all kinds of attachments that can go on, we have goosenecks that actually stack to longer lengths. We have elbows that will hold up to about two and a half uh, kilos. We've got spigot adapters, which will take lighting equipment, lamps that can hold reflector cards, mirrors, utensils, your objects, branches, trees. So speaking of all this stuff, one of your biggest markers you found is macro photography. Yes. And you have a setup right here. Yeah. Do you want to just quickly talk us through what's happening? Sure. So for macro photography, 
it's easiest to do your macro photography with continuous light, such as LED lights like these, versus doing it with flash, which, which you have to do a lot of calculations to get flash right. So using our goosenecks, you can position your lights exactly where you want to, your key light and your fill lights. You can put on, we have in here a uh, reflector mirror that can be used. We have here a ring, which is the, uh, is the subject for the macro photography. And in the screen here, you can actually see an image of that ring up close. An elbow back here, for those of you who are doing video or want an extra monitor on there, you can mount on a monitor to the side. You can also mount on smartphones onto this. So basically, think of our equipment as your tripod alternatives. Fabulous. And the the other big thing, as I said, about the, uh, the uses for me, long exposure uh, and stability when I don't want to carry everything around, the Ultra fits easily into your pocket, but I've also found the Extreme fits nicely into my back pocket. Right. So if I if I were to sling my camera with the platy disc, platable disc on the bottom, right, have the tripod in my pocket, but have to stash another small ball head somewhere. Okay. I've got the entire setup. Correct. Or I could use the carabiner to sling this rig here and the camera hanging there. I've still got everything I need for a low exposure and it's lightweight. It can come with me, achieves everything I wanted to achieve. The tripod police. The macro photography, there are so many uses. And what I find very interesting in particular is going onto the Platypod blog or the Platypod Instagram page and seeing what people are doing because I keep seeing new ideas and, and the, the things people are using a Platypod and a Platyball for just blows my mind because I never even thought that was a consideration. And I'm sure that's the same for you when you were designing it. You've written a book called The Eiffel Tower Effect, yeah. which, I've, which I've read and one thing to talk about, how many pieces of equipment do you buy? How many pieces yeah. of kit do you have that really change the way you look at the world and yes. change the way that you shoot? When you're shooting with a platypod, all of a sudden you're looking, where on the ground can I put this, get a different kind of image there? Yeah. Where can I strap it onto? Yeah. What can I strap it onto? Yeah. And suddenly you're avoiding the Eiffel Tower effect where everyone's images look the same shot from the same yeah. eye height yeah. and you're doing things differently and yeah. your pictures are... Exactly. So I, I call that level at eye level. If you're holding a camera level at eye level, you're doing the same as everyone else. So you want to break that. And that gets you nice and low. In fact, I find in cathedrals, churches, museums, uh, nice old art deco buildings where you've got a beautiful wall and a beautiful roof and a really boring floor, the platypod's perfect because that shift in perspective brings more of the roof into view and squashes that floor down so it's not right you know it's a floor but it's not taking up that much room in the image so that's a perfect use perfect. yeah so breaking away from level at eye level as well as getting high like you've got them mounted on the stand around here people use them almost like a game trail camera like this one here where it's high up on a tree to catch the action the person can shoot remotely it's out of the way, but you're, you're getting a, a unique shot of the, the action that's happening. Again, looking at the Platypod blog and your social media to see these ideas that people are having just blows my mind because I'd never even think about it. Oh, speaking of remotes, I mean, we've had to take on some new uh, ambassadors, photographers who do horse racing photography and uh, steeplechase photography. And what they will do is they'll take 
this rig, and because of the spikes, they can spike it into the ground so it doesn't shift. They put a pocket wizard trigger on it, and you're actually getting images, you put this near a fence, of the horse jumping over the fence. You're looking from underneath the horse. I don't recommend any photographer stand in that position. Oh, lie down there. It, be, it could be rather dangerous and rather dirty also. So uh, there's all kinds of things, all kinds of applications. We keep finding new things as people are trying this out. Fantastic. Well, there we go then. The Platypod Elite, the Platypod Extreme, available at platypod.com or via Dell Photographic if you're in the UK. Larry, thank you very much. Dave, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. And thank you, Chris. I'm here with Glenn Dewis. Glenn, it's amazing to see you here at the photography show. Thank you very much. Cool. What have you been up to since we spoke last? Uh, do you know what? Today, in fact, yesterday and today, because obviously this is Saturday and Sunday, I've just been spending a lot of time catching with people that we've not been able to over the last few years, because even though this was on last year, it was a much quieter event, uh, but now it's great to see more people back. So I've been doing the sort of like the interaction, the networking side of things, because that's a very big part of what we do. do you know what I mean, we, we know we can't do this on our own. We need some people there to help us out. So that's what I've been doing. It's interesting because no matter who, I, who I've been speaking to today, we've, everybody's been saying the same thing. Is really, it's just that human factor of, you know, getting to meet like-minded people here at the show, making new contacts and getting to know, you know, meeting old friends and getting to know new people. It's massively important. I've made friends in this industry that I obviously would never have met had I not been involved in it. And then when I first started, and they're still friends today. Yeah. But that that is a huge part of it. You've only got to look back. We've all experienced it. The last, say, three years when we weren't able to interact with people, we weren't able to go and do, like me, portrait shoots. Yeah. And that social interaction was just not there. It, it was not good. It was not good for people. And the minute we could, everyone's out of that starter gate. It's like, oh, I can get back. And everyone was saying, like, last year, this is so good to be able to catch up again. You know, it's so, was it weird last year where we sort of met online? Yeah. As weird as that sounds. <laughs> we met online. Yeah. We were like stalking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and then we actually met in person for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, the photography. Like, oh, we felt like we'd kind of know. That's the great thing about the social media, like you do in the podcast and stuff like that. You see somebody online, you interact online, and when you meet, those initial kind of first feelings when you first meet someone, they're not there. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, hello, mate. Yeah. And you have, you have something to talk about rather than, so who are you? What do you do? You know all that. Yeah. Exactly. So those barriers are gone, and that those friendships are, are different. Do you know what I mean? So so what else have you been up to then since, since we spoke last year? I've done a, well, blimey, what I've been doing, things have really changed for me. And I, I I sound kind of, I don't know if this sounds right to say this, but in a way, the last three years has actually done me a favor because I was very, I think we might have spoken about this in the podcast. Yeah. I think I was very stuck in my ways of being a portrait photographer. But the last three years, certainly the last year, has just totally made me branch out and I am thoroughly enjoying what I'm doing. I'm doing way more video. I'm doing way more stuff with the drone and, and video work and stuff. So there's the, still the photography, but I'm not, pigeonholing myself now i'm doing what i thoroughly enjoy and i'm just i'm enjoying it probably more now than when i first started and i think you can really tell because i've been following your channel you know ever since well ever since i don't know the last year and a half or something yeah. and i think i can you know it's really obvious how the sort of you know the production value of your videos has has improved and grown and you know it's it's amazing how much time do you spend on a video typically it all depends I and mean, the optimum time i've realized for a for a video on youtube you're talking about eight to ten minutes uh, and i'll script it all out and i can on occasions i can record and edit in in a whole day but if it ends up with me having to be out on location i'll do the location stuff one day then i'll edit the next day and it's 
it's it's not a task. I I thoroughly and I'm enjoyed. I mean, I think I might have said to somebody on the year or somebody earlier on. I'm in the right headspace for it. YouTube is not an effort. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy kind of pushing that. I'm learning more things, you know, like I wouldn't have done before. Learning After Effects, how to use Adobe Audition for the sound quality and Premiere Pro and not just Photoshop and Lightroom and how those all things work together. It's just just great fun. You know, I'm genuinely, this isn't me with having half a dozen coffees today. This is me genuinely enjoying doing what I'm doing. I think audio is the, the thing that as photographers, you know, I think a lot of photographers are, scared of the audio side because it's not something that we're used to we're used to the visual and you know and the the imagery and so we could probably get our head around the video side of it but the audio is the thing that scares people off the most absolutely yeah and there is that saying isn't it they say if you want better video get better audio because we all know if we've seen something online where the quality of the video is just awful but the sound's great you will watch it but if the if the sound is amazing but it's like oh my god that photo that footage is awful you think i can't watch this it's a massive thing but there are no excuses now anyway Exactly. I'm going to say, don't you know, Adobe Shasta. Absolutely. 100%. Unbelievable. And what that's doing and what that's going to be able to do in the future, yeah. amazing. Interestingly, I saw your video um, talking about Adobe Shasta. Mm. Um, and then as a test, I ran all the audio from last week's episode through Shasta without doing anything myself. Right. And I have to say, my mind was blown. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. There's a lot of people who are kind of pro- and people who are against this AI, this artificial intelligence stuff. But when it kind of, the stuff that I'm seeing out there at the moment, I know there's this kind of like, is it Dali? And there's, there's oh, the one name escapes from the moment where you can literally do keywords and it comes back as a picture. Oh, yeah. That's a whole different ball of game. But when there's AI that is actually helping you to do your job, to take the pressure off doing something else so you can concentrate on the creative stuff, like Shasta, which is a strange name. Um, fantastic. I'm all for it. I'm, who came up with that name? I have no idea. But there's three parts to it. You've got the voice enhancer, you've got the podcast side, and the mic checking. But the way this is all going, it, it, it basically is freeing us up. It's not going to replace an audio engineer, but my God, it allows the average person to be able to say, I'm going to produce this. The sound is great, so people will watch more of it, and I can get on doing the creative stuff. That's exactly it. It's, it's such a great time saver. I mean, the amount of time I would normally spend you know, editing the audio uh, on, on a typical episode... You know, I've saved all of that time. And whilst, you know, that's uploaded to Adobe and it's doing its magic, you know, AI, AI magic in the background, I can do other things. I can color grade, I can get the, you know, stuff ready. Yeah, 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 exactly. It leaves you, you can let right. You do that. It's almost like having an assistant, isn't it? It's like I talk about the camera being, the camera nowadays with the technology across all the brands, the, the focus in this stuff like that is incredible, that you can almost say, right, you look after that for me, I'll do the eye. So like I did a shoot of a surfer unbelievably bright day i had the camera in front of me i'm waist high or chest high in the water i couldn't see the back of the camera but i purely let that i left that to the camera i'm trusting you to do this for me i'm going to give it the composition i think it's going to give and i came back out looked at the shots they were absolutely bang on so this technology it's there to be embraced because it does allow you to kind of do what you should be doing because you know photographer being a photographer isn't about the technicals exactly you know it's about if you're a portrait photographer it's about the communication yeah but generally it's about the i sound like really corny here but it's about creating that that art isn't it it's, it's ultimately about the end product that's the thing but why why would i you know not use something that makes my job easier yeah i think some people feel threatened by it i think that's the end of it uh but there is nothing to be threatened by. Do you know what I mean? There really isn't. Embrace it. Because if you don't embrace it, you are going to be left behind. Exactly. So so if you're a photographer and you've been thinking about getting into video, your life has just been made 
a whole lot easier. We're going to put a we're going to put a link to um, Adobe Shasta in the description, and I'm also going to link uh, Blint's video about that, which is extremely helpful, very useful. That's how I learned how to use it. So if I can do it, anybody can. Anyway, Blint, thank you so much for talking to us. Cool. Thank you very much for asking me, mate. Awesome. And um, I hope I'll see you on the Camera Shake podcast for another full episode soon. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> And I've just found Hannah Cousins. Hannah, how are you? I'm really good, thanks, Cousins. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. I nearly missed you. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I'm easily forgettable. <laughs> no, I know. It's been a bit manic. It's been sort of like a really busy show. And uh, yeah, there's been lots of people that I wanted to see that your times clash with. And like, you know, just sort of seeing them on as we're kind of going out. So it's always the way with these things. There's so much you want to see and not enough time. You've just held a talk. Yeah, I did. Um... I did a six-light setup on the photo live stage. I mean, why did I do six lights? Who does that? But, I mean, it was, um, I had a few, I had many technical problems tethering. Tethering, but it happens, it's quite common, I found in, um, you know, when you're at expos like this, there's so many different frequencies, so many different Wi-Fi going on that, you know, it happens quite a lot. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> what else have you been looking forward to uh, at the photography show this year? Well, it's been really interesting for me to be back because I haven't been here since 2019. I didn't come last year because I was literally about to give birth. Um, so it's been, um, yeah, it's been nice to be back and sort of see what it's like. And I've also just really missed seeing all the team and, you know, my friends, everyone's talking. It's been a long time that we haven't all been together in the same room. So it's definitely to catch up with them. It's really funny because no matter who I talk to, everybody says exactly the same thing. It's, it's really all about making connections, meeting people. You know, that's, that's one of the main benefits of the photography show. It's so true. It's lovely, you know, and sometimes I've found as well, so a couple of people that have come up to me um, that said that they've been following me on social media. It's nice to actually physically meet them as well. It's lovely because otherwise you just sort of talk sort of digitally, but it's nice to put a face to a name and, yeah, just kind of catch up with all your friends, make new connections, like you say. It's, it's great. It's a nice social event, and I think maybe we have missed that more than we realised. How's the last year been for you as, a like, a new mum? It's been chaos, girls. It's, it's been amazing. <laughs> It's been amazing. I mean, my little boy has been going, you know, back and forth up the aisles. I think most people are looking at me going, why on earth is there a child here? But I'm like, well, I'm speaking, so he has to come. Uh, but no, it's been amazing. Thank you. It's been a, a hard juggle sometimes because, of course, I went back to work after seven weeks because we're self-employed and that's what we have to do. Um, but, of course, you know, you can manage your own time. So it's been a case of, like, booking clients, doing them all the shoots back to back, coming home, doing the editing so I can take over. So yeah, it's been hard work. I'm tired. It's been great. It's always a way though, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Of course it is. I mean, you know, it's, it's a juggling act for all of us, but in some respects, it's kind of, it's good because you're able to fit things in around, you know, kind of day to day. We're all right. We can juggle it because my partner is self-employed too. So between us, two companies that we run, we can manage our time. However, you don't have that security of every single month you get a paycheck or maternity pay or whatever it is. So swings and roundabouts. Yeah. Interesting enough, I saw Tommy Reynolds earlier, who's got exactly the same. Well, it's not a problem, but you know, it's a serious. She's saying to Teresa, and I was just chatting with Tommy for about an hour. Um, we were just comparing notes on just how much of a struggle it is and what guilt you feel and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's tough, but I mean, you know, Life happens, and so you have to kind of make it fit, don't you? So we do have it. Absolutely. Are you here for the uh, the next few days as well, or? I'm not actually. No. I mean, I was supposed to be speaking tomorrow um, over at Sony, but of course that's not happening now. Um, so for me to keep the baby up here for another day, only to be here Tuesday when I'm not doing anything myself, it kind of is it, a shame. I would like to be here because there's a lot of stuff I want to see, but you know, kind of 
life's changed now, so I have to make decisions and put him first, of course, to see what's best for him. So, yeah, unfortunately, it's, it's a short show for me. I arrived yesterday, but I've seen, still seen a lot of people and seen a lot of kit and stuff and see what I need to see. So that's been life. Excellent. So as we're talking, it is Sunday today, and of course, tomorrow, Monday, is the Queen's funeral, and the show will be closed. So everything has been moved either forward or backwards. I think a lot, a lot of uh, talks will be moved to Tuesday as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, for, um, from my point of view, I think Sony kind of scheduled us so tightly that it was very difficult to try and move us around into other days. So, we, you know, we've just sort of said, look, yeah, they, they initially, I think they were trying to reprogram everything. And I think some of us just sort of said, look, don't, don't make extra work for yourselves. And then we also don't want to rush the other speakers that were already talking because we don't want them to start, you know, to have to finish early to fit someone else in. So, yeah, I, I mean... It's, it's one year where we won't be, you know, I think there's four or five of us that we're supposed to be on, but we won't be, um, but we've been doing other things. So we've been here in a different capacity. Fantastic. What's your plan for the, for the next year? Oh, for the next year, goodness me. I mean, I don't even know, honestly, Kirsten, I'm, I'm so thrown off because it's September. Like, I'm so used to this show being in March time. It's, I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, it's September. I don't know what happened to the year. It's disappeared. It's all gone so fast. Um... But yeah, I mean, over the next year, I'm just really keeping everything going how it, you know, how it was. I mean, it's been a mad year for us. They're one of the busiest years we've had. I don't know whether COVID, everyone was trying to get back on their feet and now everyone's kind of over it. The, we've just been manic. We've been so busy, which is a wonderful thing. Which is great. Of course. So, you know, just to carry on as we are. Um, and then perhaps there's other areas of my business that I thought perhaps if I get time, huh? Um, that I might want to kind of get back into a little bit more, you know, like revamp the maternity sessions and things like that. Because now I've been on the other side of it. I think perhaps maybe it might make me a little bit more sympathetic because I understand it. Good point. Maybe it might improve my work in those areas or, you know, like I'd, I've always enjoyed it, but I kind of left it on the shelf for a bit. You know, I don't know. I don't really know why. Um, so perhaps I might look to explore those a little bit more. It'd be fun. Fantastic. Hannah, thank you so much for talking to us. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll have you back on the podcast uh, at some point over the next few months. That would be fantastic. All right. Thank you so much, Adam. Excellent. Thank you very much. So we're back here at the Lumina stand with none other than Mr. Benelli himself. How are you doing, man? Hey, real good. Thanks for stopping by. Awesome. We, well, we were here yesterday. We had a bit of a chat. Um, and I know there are some, some updates on Luminar. Uh, what's new? What's the latest thing? So it's really cool about what we're doing with Luminar now is we're making Luminar the base program. So that, that's the foundation, that's the base. And because of the way the engineers designed it, now what they can do is add extensions to it. So we have the noiseless extension that just came out, uh, HDR, and there's a few others that are coming out real soon. So now just think of Dio as your base or your host. So that's always gonna be updated, no matter what. So even if you're a Neo user now or an owner now, that's always gonna be updated for the rest of the, the time where you own it and to make it faster and, and quicker, then they add on and in the extensions. So if you're into HDR, you can either purchase the HDR extension, brings it in, or if you do subscription-based, and I hate that word subscription, you know, it's, it's more like maintenance, you know what I mean? But, but if you were to buy that, that prescription subscription, then whatever extensions are out, you get to have. So that works out great. Fantastic. Yeah, there's this really something for everybody, no matter whether you're a portrait photographer or a landscape photographer. I mean, I had a look at some of the plugins um, earlier. It's, it's amazing, you know, how you can, like, focus on eyes and skin. 
you know, and it makes your life so much easier. I know how much time I spend retouching. Well, it's a portrait photographer, right? You and I both know. It, trying to like remember the blemish removal, remember the uh, blemishes on a person's face. And I'm not gonna lie, and I'm sure you did this too. In the middle of the night, you're bored as heck. You have to retouch, you know, a hundred images. You're like, bip, bip. You start making noises, bip, bip. And you're going through the whole thing. And after a while, you're like, all right, yeah, it's not cool anymore. Dima, the the the, the founder of um, Skylum, he's the creator of Luminar. He came out with skin retouching and AI um, skin. So at first, it was like, well, wait a second, where, where's the little brush? The Nelly stop. We, it's a new way of thinking. The old way that people are editing is outdated. Why should you sit there and actually select, repeat, you know, repeat all the, the blemishes, and then on the next seed, if the person moves their head, you have to start all over again. Here, one click, they, they call it defects removal. I say blemish. Click on it, it's done. Smooth the skin, but the best part of all of this, no masking involved. And then you can uh, save it as your own, apply it to your batch of images. So as a portrait photographer, especially the eyes, you know, enhancing the eyes, there's no longer, here's a brush, let's select the eyes and fix it. One slider, eyes change. A lot of times, like you have, you have killer blue eyes, all right? Now, especially in this light, but with the way the light's hitting his eyes, they may not be as blue as they should be. You could change the colors of an eye. And a lot of times I'll keep the same color of the eye the person has and just dial it back just a little bit and it adds white to the eyes. And since it's that person, when I batch process it, the eyes look identical all the way through it. See, that batch processing capability is the thing that will you know, save professionals so much time. And as we all know, time is money. So I think, you know, when I do um, like a corporate headshot session, like let's say it's a volume shoot and I've got to retouch 20, 40, 60, 100 shots, like to be able to batch process the skin and the eyes is, that's money in my pocket because it's time that I save. It's incredible. And, and, and well, we all have to mention a little secrets. A lot of times you dictate how many photos you take based on, do I really want to edit this entire set? So... I'm not going to overshoot. I'm going to, you know, just now it doesn't matter what you do. Or, or here's a better example. As, as photographers, we don't like showing people our unfinished work. But yet the client constantly says, well, I just want to see what they look like. Well, they're not edited yet. No, just it's okay. I just want to see it. You show them and then all of a sudden they're, oh my God, this looks horrible. Yet told me not, not to show you unedited. With this concept, you would go in and just do a real quick edit to all of the images, the good, the bad, the ugly, send them up. Sorry, you pick. Which ones do you want? Oh, I want this, this, and this. Great. How do they look to you right now? Oh, they already looked edited. Exactly. You know, so you don't have to go back and do it unless quality control. And then you go back and do a quality control check. But I think that's going to help a lot of new orchard photographers because they're not going to get frustrated and just say, you know what, I like it. I don't want to do this, though, because editing cars would slow me down. And that's, I mean, that's the thing, because, you know, being a photographer and being, you know, a retoucher are, you know, really two separate skill sets. And you don't necessarily want to dive that deep into Photoshop or whatever else. And so these tools are really a godsend, not only for the professionals, where time is money, but also for 
enthusiasts, for example. Exactly. Now, now keep in mind, especially the relight tool that we have, you saw the face relighting to where you could just just select the face, or it selects the face for you. And, and, and if as a photographer, I didn't light the face enough as I could, here's a way to just touch it up just a bit. But the point I'm getting at is, you could be a photographer, a retoucher, or a graphic artist. You could be all three. But whatever you are in that particular moment, be that person. So if you're a photographer, don't ever get to the point where you say, well, I'll just fix that in post. No, fix it in Canon. And, and I love the fact that Skylum is allowing me to be a photographer first and then teach photo editing. And, and people think that's backwards. Well, then why do I need you? Well, because you're going to need to edit your images. I'm hoping to show you how to edit very lightly and you don't need to spend hours, hours, unless they want to. But that's, some people love doing that stuff. Um, I don't. I like getting in, edit, get that out of there, I'm done. But um, you know, as portrait photographers, like you said, time is, you know, money. You know, absolutely. Right? Or, you know, if I'm spending so much time on this editing, I can't go out and photograph other things I want to do. Um, so, so that's, and again, it's keep in mind, yes, because I work for Skylum, I am prejudiced towards uh, Luminar because not only do I use it every day, but I get to have input with the, with the engineers. I mean, that to me is the greatest um, compliment the company could ever give me is a, asking for my input. Here's what's even better. You guys, everyone gets to do the same thing because I'm the conduit. When we do Luminar Coffee Break on Monday through Friday at one o'clock, we do an Ask Me Anything segment to where the viewers in a Zoom meetings, not um, webinars, they see us face to face and talk to each other. And if they have suggestions, I'll write it down. So, oh, that's a great idea. Where can people find you? Yeah, so if they go to Skylum.com um, and you'll, you'll look up and see Luminar Coffee Break or VanelliandFriends.com. But, but the whole thing is, I love the fact that Skylum listens to the users, you know, and they say, okay, this is what you want. Let's see what we can do to accomplish these goals. So here's the part where I've been asked, what can we expect from uh, Luminar in the future? That's a real good question. Um, <laughs> our team constantly amazes me. And I do, I'm not, I mean, the first woman, I feel guilty. I'm in, I'm in the States. My team is in a war zone. So... Here you are talking to them, you know, on Zoom, and now we got to go quick. And all of a sudden, you hear your eerie sirens, and you just see the horror on their faces. You're like, oh, man, you just feel for them. But then all of a sudden, they knock out all these updates, and you're like, how in the heck are you able to accomplish this? And what goes on in my head is, can you imagine what the engineers have developed during a wartime, and back in 2015, during the threat of it, Oh my God, when all that stuff is over, imagine what they're going to create in the future. So um, they, we do have a roadmap on the, on the site. So if you look up at Skylum.com, look under the roadmap, you can see what they're able to tell us that they're willing to do. But uh, be the first to admit, they learned from their mistake when Neo first came out. People would say, we want it in, or the engineers, we could do this in the winter. Great. Well, to them... Winter is in February. To us Americans, winter is in December. So there's miscommunication, and we did take a hit with people upset that we didn't deliver on time. Then the war kicked in, 
you know, and the, and the team got everything together. Now the extensions, they mapped it, but they're not going to tell you exactly when it's coming out until they know for 100% certainty, hey, guess what? It's coming out here, and typically it happens one or two days in that time frame. So... Fantastic. I mean, I've been I've been following Numina for quite some time, and I'm really amazed with the kind of stuff that you guys have been able to come out here, even under those difficult circumstances. Oh. So, Vanelli, thank you very much for talking to us. I'm sure we'll see more of you on the Camera Shake podcast in the near future. And uh, thank you for your honesty, and have a great time at the show. I'm for watching, everyone. Awesome. I'm here with Peter Treadway, our wedding shooter, general... The co-organizer of the photography show, I guess. Stage, yeah, stage manager. Stage. Make, making sure all the speakers have got what they need. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, Pete, what is the one thing that gets you out of bed and come here to the photography show? Uh, so f- for me, it's e- so I've been working at the show now probably for the last three or four years prior to COVID as well. And whether I was working here, whether I'm working here or when I was here as an attendee, the big thing for me is the social element. It's great to come and, you know, play with the new gear and, you know, uh, have a, have a play around with it, that the very expensive gear that you'll probably never be able to afford. But for me, I think as photographers, it's quite a, uh, it's quite an, ins- it can be quite an insular industry, quite a solitary job. Because as a wedding photographer, at any job I'm at, although I'm surrounded by potentially hundreds of people, you're working generally on your own. And so you'll go from job to job to job and not just wedding photography, portrait photography, you know, any kind of event photography, anything like that. You're surrounded by people, but you're on your own. And so it's great for uh, events like this where you get to catch up with friends and people you haven't spoken to in the industry for the last year. So, yeah, my big takeaway from from shows like this is just the social element, coming to see people and just being able to interact and just chew the fat over, you know, the crazy jobs that you've just been dealing with over the last year. We've just realized yesterday that it was literally a year since we've seen each other. And that's, that seems crazy. Yep. And this is the thing. It's, you keep in, in touch online and, you know, there's a multitude of, you know, of ways to, to keep in touch with people now. But it, there's nothing that compares to kind of that physical connection with people and being able to sit down and sit, look people in the eye and, and have, a, have a chat. So, yeah, for that, this show is great. And even making new connections as well. This is a great opportunity to get to know, you know, new people. Absolutely. So, uh what I love about that is you never know who knows who in this industry. And so you come to an event like this and you, you start chatting to a friend and, oh, have you met? Blah. Oh, you know, I, I re- briefly bumped into him. And yeah, you make those connections. And then before you know it, oh, well, you know, I need someone to do this. Oh, well, I, that guy does that or that girl does that. And so, oh, we'll put you together. And yeah, so making connections, seeing people, social side, absolutely perfect. And of course, the other thing, aside from all the, you know, gear, it's the educational side that's happening on loads of stages this year. Yeah, so with the, the show has, like this one, the editing and post-processing suite, they have their own stages, which are all fantastic. But then some of the stands as well, some of the brands have their own people coming on and giving talks. So, the, yeah, the show is it's fantastic for education. Um, it, every niche is catered for. You know, whatever you want to learn about, be it weddings, be it events, be it portraiture, be it child, you know, maternity photography, it's here. And you, if you go around, you will find somewhere, probably multiple places, giving talks on exactly what you need to know. So what's happening on your stage today? So uh, again, this is the editing and post-processing. So we get a lot of uh, live demonstrations of Lightroom and Photoshop and things like that and how to, uh, how to, to use the program, 
quickly, efficiently, how to make workflows more efficient. We had a lady this morning that was um, doing a Photoshop demonstration. She was a natural skin retoucher. So nowadays, you know, it's, it's all uh, fantastically so. It's all about, well, be your true self. And so where you see fashion photography, high-end fashion photography, where, you know, airbrushed, people are airbrushed within an inch of their, of their lives, she takes women and men who have, you know, skin conditions that don't necessarily look like the norm, you know, when it comes to beauty and fashion, as she does those sorts of edits. And it was, it was fantastic. So yeah, there's, there's loads to be seen here, uh, all to do with editing, post-processing. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Pete, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I'm sure we'll be seeing more of you um, in the next month or so. I hope so. Awesome. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Have fun on your bike rides. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Heading down to Stratford, 50 mile bike ride. Um, Hopefully I'll make it back because I've got the show to be out on Tuesday. But yeah, yeah. Fing fingers crossed I'll make it back. But yeah, no, good to see you, buddy. All right. Thanks. See you later. So I'm here with Sean Elizabeth. Sean, I've just watched your talk and it was incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming and being in the audience. So I was quite nervous to get up there, but I think it went pretty well. So happy with that. This is your first time speaking at the photography show? It is my first time at the photography show. I have done some online um, learning sort of platforms before, but this is my first in-person experience. So, yeah. Were you nervous? I was, yeah, but but good to see friendly faces there, so yeah. ease those nerves a bit more. It was an, it really was a, an amazing talk. I really didn't know what to expect at all. Can you just give us sort of a brief synopsis of what you were talking about? So my talk today was on living with chronic illness as a photographer, um, and I know there's quite a few people who have suffered like long COVID or have chronic pain. Um, I personally have ME and endometriosis, and I kind of wanted to raise a bit of awareness around that, but how I've also adapted and changed things in my life to be able to still do photography. It was really amazing to see how you've, how you've totally adapted to your you know, condition. Um, and I also love the fact that you're shooting from home, which is exactly what I do. Yep. It saves so much money as well. And it's like the comfort of your own home, your safe space. And yeah, it's brilliant. Awesome. Um, is this your first time at the photography show in general? No, I've been here quite a few times over the years. I can't remember what it used to be called, but I was there for that one. So it must have been at least, you know, maybe 10 years ago or something. I don't know. But um, no, I, I missed last year's, unfortunately. And of course, then before the, the pandemic. But um, no, I love the photography show and meeting up with everyone um, from all over the world. So yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. What's the thing that you look forward to the most when you come to the photography show? Definitely meeting up with friends. Um, so sometimes it's the only chance we get to actually have a huge meet up with all of us photographers. So um, the social social aspect is brilliant for me. Um, and also seeing incredible work here and buying new gadgets, which you probably shouldn't be spending lots of money. So yeah, it's all, it's all good fun. What have you bought? Um, well, I haven't bought it yet, but I need a new tripod because I kind of broke my last one. Um, and what else do I need? There is something else I've forgotten, but the tripod's the main one at the moment. So that's on my list. Yeah. I rocked up with, with a sling bag yesterday, carrying all my gear around with me. And by the end of the day, my shoulders were killing me. So I went straight into investing into a new backpack. Well, brilliant. Actually, yes, a new backpack. I need a new backpack. So I've got my zips on the other one are broken. So tripod backpack. Yeah, there you go. It's a bit dangerous when you come to the summer show and you've got all of these uh, you know, exhibitors here. But is there anything you can, you can think of is on show and for sale? Yes, it's a, it's a problem. I mean, you have credit card and credit card. You're like, well, should I, you know, okay. but yeah, it's, it's, it's once, once a year. Um, and just why not treat yourself. So what have you got plans, um, in the future? Uh, in the future. So I actually have, uh, from my talk, I introduced some images that I did of some cold water swimmers. And since doing that personal project, I've been asked to do an exhibition of that work and potentially do a book on it as well. So that's kind of the next stages for me and, uh, yeah, keep shooting basically as much as, as much as I can. 
And of course, coming on the Camera Sake podcast, clearly. And that. Oh, actually, we're going to do a shootout with Creepy Heads. Ooh, yes. <laughs> creepy Heads shootout. You heard it here first, but it will be coming. Sean, thank you very much for talking to us. And I'm looking forward to seeing you on the show in a little while for a full episode. Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me on the show. <laughs> thank you. So I'm here with Tony Harmer um, at the editing suite. Tony, what's your experience of the photography show been for you this year? Well, uh, well as always with the photography show, it's been fantastic. I love doing this show. I really look forward to it. There's some great stuff out there. Of course, I've spent an enormous amount of money that my wife totally approves of. You know, Hannah, yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't watch this, so that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's all I do. I really love this show. It's one of the things I look forward to most in the, in the whole year. You know, I've been doing it since 2014. I, I love it. So what's the, like, if you had to bring it down to the one single thing that thrills you most about the show this year, what would that be? Oh, oh, now that's really, really tough. I do like seeing some of the sneaks, but it's meeting people. Like I met Larry from Platypod this morning, you know, the invention of the Platypod. That was fantastic. I saw Dave Williams hanging around. He's an amazing bloke, of course. It really, for me, it's about just seeing what's going on out here, meeting new people. I like teaching people stuff. Those are the highlights for me. That's what I like about it most. That's, I think that's one of the things, um, you know, we're trying to bring across this year really is that this is, really is a social event you know of course it's great to get your hands on the latest you know and greatest kit camera bodies lenses whatever it may be but it's actually meeting people that can really change everything for you absolutely yeah and as, as someone who educates people for a living right that's that that's one of the best things i mean i get to actually change the way people work for the better yeah which is fantastic meet people make new friends all the time i love it absolutely love it so you've, you've uh, done a few speaking engagements at the show what was it that you did uh, so I've been doing uh, stuff around Premiere and Photoshop. So I did Making Your First Video in uh, Premiere yesterday. I'm doing that again today. Uh, I did uh, motion graphics templates yesterday morning. So in Premiere and After Effects, which was a lot of fun. And uh, today I'm doing uh, Photoshop, uh, social video, making social video in Photoshop. So Excellent. Tony, thank you so much for coming to the show. Hopefully we'll see you for a full episode on the show later on this year. That would be really lovely. Thanks, Kirsten. It's fantastic. Cheers. Take care. Thanks. See you back. So I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend, Dave Clayton. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Fantastic. It feels like I've only just seen you. I know. It's almost like we only spoke a couple of days ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, that's, that's called continuity. Yes, true. So, Dave, how's the show been for you? It's been so energetic this year thinking back to last year when you know it, it was still those early days of can we be in person again can we go to an event and touch stuff and hug people um and this year it just feels like it's all been forgotten and it's lovely because the traffic the amount of people walking past you know go when i do get a chance to go for a walk and i walk past all the booths there's people everywhere and they're picking stuff up and touching and testing and trying, which is what the show's all about. So it's good to see that 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 health come back and confidence of people to attend a show. And I think something like this, because it is one of the world's biggest hobbies, I think is it fishing a lot? Fishing is the world's biggest hobby or something. Is it? Yeah, but photography, I mean, it's like huge. And a show like this gives people a, a first for 
getting something that gives them enjoyment yeah. and happiness and they can come here and be with fellow photographers. And I think what most people don't realize, not only are there lots of manufacturers here and you can you know, look at lots of gear, but there's also a lot of really cool secondhand gear to be had. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you go and see the disabled photographers, I love those guys and I donated a bunch of books to them this year because they do such good work and re, you know repurpose old, old gear and... Uh, Probably you're the same. You love buying old cameras, even if you're not going to buy them. And Absolutely. I still do. But yeah, it's that whole thing of upgrading. Um, I think we spoke about it on, this, on the podcast, about only spend money when you need it, not just because you want to spend it. And there's, you know, for what's that thing about, um, is it like the the best camera from five years ago is now the worst camera today? So depending on what you shoot and how you shoot, you know, you can come here and test and get secondhand gear. And, yeah. you know, it's beyond me because I'm not a photographer, but I kind of see the why people buy what they do. I mean, you know, the thing is, I until very recently used to uh, shoot a uh, Nikon D750, which is, you know, which is a camera that came out uh, eight years ago, yeah. nine years ago, something like that. And, you know, I've had comments, you know, saying, well, you know, why don't you upgrade? Like, why are you, you know, you're shooting a really old camera? But the reality is, you know, I mean, that camera delivers images that were unthinkable, you know, 10 years ago. Oh, exactly. I bought my D300S when the 750 came out. And the only reason I bought the D300S secondhand was because HDR was all the rage. And I just fancied having a go at it because it looked quite graphical as a designer. Um, and it had bracketing, I think it had nine stop bracketing, the 750 didn't, and I knew nothing about cameras, I still got that camera, I've not even got it out of the bag for the last two, three years, and I'm an awful camera operator, um, but it's, you know, the the gear helps, um, but yeah, like my, my eight-year-old camera, I could still get out tomorrow, I could still go and take some great images, I've got a couple of half-decent lenses, um, it's just the enjoyment of practicing and trying and, yeah. you know, not every photograph has to be a killer photo. And now that we're digital, you know, so I was looking, I was telling my friend on my phone, um, just one particular friend, I looked in my WhatsApp and we've shared like five and a half thousand photos between us on my phone. And the good thing I love, the one of the things I love about photography in my family was my... I don't even know where it comes from because nobody in my family is a photographer. But the amount of photographs, printed proper old school photographs that our family owns of, of our family going way, way back is just incredible. Um, although my mum decided one year, mum's got all the photos and she decided one year to make a big frame, a collage of all the images. And instead of putting the images in the frame, she cut all of us out of the photographs and threw away the bits she didn't need, made the collage, which is lovely. But when I saw it, I about squealed like a little schoolgirl and went, where's all the photos? Where's all that? And she went, oh, I've thrown all the bits away. And I was like, I'd have scanned them all because, you know, the, my kids, all the photographs I've got of them are all on hard drives and backup and everything. And I feel bad I haven't printed them out. And then when I come here and I feel the photo albums and the storage and, that, and I just think it's one of the sad things about modern day photography is the fact that we don't print as much as we should for our children. Yeah. Um, but 
they can open a book, a photo album, and go back and look at the pictures of them as kids at the beach on holidays and that. It's it's all storage. It's in a weird way, it's much harder to to destroy a hard copy than it is to to lose a digital file. Yeah, my so my mum's got a photograph of her great great grandfather. You know, from a time where I guess anyone who owned a camera must have looked like a wizard. Um, and she still has that photograph. It's lasted a hundred years. See, the funny thing about this is, um, my daughter, when she was really little, like maybe two or something, she asked me whether, you know, back in the olden days, because, you know, like all the old images that you see were black and white. Yeah. But she basically said like, Daddy, when was color invented? <laughs> well, the, you know, this, you know, the world was in color back then, but we didn't have the technology to actually turn it into a photograph. When you know, the dinosaurs died, we stopped going from black and white into color. Exactly. My daughter had, actually had an argument with me the other day because she, we were talking about the color of a dinosaur, and she said, "No, Daddy, that dinosaur is this color." I said, "How do you know?" Because they found the fossils, and I said, "Yeah, but the fossils don't have color. The skin goes away." She said, "Daddy, trust me. I know the color of dinosaurs." Oh, and then she goes, you should remember because you went to school with them. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I'm liking her already. Yeah. So, and she, she wants to be a photographer. She's actually started talking about coming into photography. She's 13 now. Um, I gave her my little point in shoe and I would happily give her my D300S. So when, when children kind of get a thirst for something like that, I don't want to... I don't want to stop her. I don't want to, I want to encourage her. And if it's something she loves doing, what a great industry to be in. You know, we met through photography. Absolutely. We've all met through this. I meet so many cool people at this show every year that while I'm not a photographer, nearly a big proportion of my best friends are. Yeah. And, and I love what they do, what they produce. And of course, photography can be a very solitary activity. And, and you know, some of the people I've spoken to um, at the show have, have mentioned that. And that's actually why shows like this are so important, because this is a great opportunity for everybody to come together. Yeah, and and everyone shoots differently. You know, you can have, you got walk around, you got portrait photographers, landscape, wildlife, architecture. Um, dog. Dog photography, uh, macro photography. Um, I'm a big fan of street photography, because for me, the most iconic images that I can remember for, throughout my life have all been a moment in history a moment in time and I'm more of a fan of street photography because it captures a moment that wasn't planned I'm less a fan of studio photography and model photography because there's so much has to go into it to get what you want I enjoy it less beautiful people love the images but give me a picture of an old man on a bench laughing because his best mate made him laugh and he's like sat there with a cigarette his face is all crinkled up I'd have that photo on my wall before I'd have uh, a model shoe kind of image because it's just that for me is if that 250th of a second or whatever it is um, capture the moment and the most iconic photos in history are like the sailor kissing the girl in Times Square or the worker sitting on the metal girder yeah, yeah. Um, and like now we've we consume so much through photography, billions and billions of images all the time, and yet people are still able to just every day come up with an image that makes you go, wow. 
I wonder how many photos were taken, like during the duration of the of the photography show. I wonder how many photos were taken in this very building over that you know course of four days. Yeah, it does make me laugh, and I feel bad saying this, but it does make me laugh when I come here every year, and I see the people turn up with like three rucksacks of all their gear that they've brought here from home, and I'm like, why? It's a lot to you get that back. Well, that's that's exactly how I felt yesterday because uh, you know. Intelligently, I brought a sling bag, like a messenger bag, yeah. you know, to carry all my gear around and, you know, what, two hours in, I'm like, this isn't working. You know, I need to get like an actual backpack with, with two straps because it was like, it was, you know, pulling my shoulders. It was, you know, pulling my spine out. It was just, yeah, it was not doable. So I'll grunt down. So if you're bringing gear because you're creating content, like you are, you got a mic, you got a camera, um, you're bringing gear because you want to capture photographs of some, like, because there's some thing about I love about the photography show is there are areas where you can bring a camera and shoot some really cool stuff they've yeah. had garden one year street wedding so of course you're going to bring a camera to to shoot but like so much stuff yeah I, I hate carrying a coat yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah I mean I'm, I'm one of these people you know I try and prepare for all eventualities so you know I'll pack like an ND filter just because you know it could be sunny I could be filming outside but actually you know I probably not. I don't need four batteries. So you carry, you know, by the time you've added all these things up, actually, you've added like you know the weight again. Yeah. You know, to your back, and it's just you know. So today I'm traveling very light. You know. So let me ask you a question. What do you get from the photography show? So for me, it's really predominantly the social aspects, and you know, I know a lot of uh, people that I've spoken to today. You know, I have mentioned that really. And it, but it really is true. It's such, you know, a great way to meet people, you know, to meet old friends and big new ones, you know, and that's, that's really been, that's been the main thing for me. Um, I've seen some interesting, um, you know, displays. Um, I've come across some interesting new products and everything else, but that's really not the reason I'm here personally. Yeah. You know, the reason I'm here is because all my friends are here. Yeah. I, I mean, I never spend money here. Maybe if I do, I go over to like CBL distribution because they're the book people and I love books. So I quite often maybe buy a book or two, smuggle them home. Not like people buying lenses for £3,000 is smuggling them home. Um, but this year I actually bought gear. I did buy photography gear, but audio gear, but I bought the DJ, DJI mics. Um, Great. Which, you know, there was a show deal. I thought, actually, if I buy them, I'll use them. And I don't, like we... Other brands exist. Other brands exist. Yeah, Rode are very good as well. Um, but Glyn bought a pair, and I trust Glyn's judgment. And then Lloyd, who's our AV guy, his job is AV. He went and bought a pair, and I'm <laughs> thinking, right, if he believes in them, I can use them. I, I kind of want to do this like you're doing. Excellent. When I travel to conferences, I want to get content from the podcast, and sure. I don't have the gear, so I know this gear will work. And... Is the photography shows that in a second it's live, live from the photography show. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I tend not to buy gear, but I'm a sucker for tech, yeah. and uh, and that's one of the things I enjoy is when I do get a chance to walk around to see some color. But of course, if you're in the market, you know there are bargains to be had here because um, you know most, I guess probably all um, exhibitors do offer discounts on the show. So yeah. there are some good opportunities to be caught here. I know, and I don't think it's a myth on the Tuesday whether it's always that, oh, no, come on the Tuesday because they don't want to take the gear back. And I think it's a bit of a myth. I think 
they're quite happy to take the gear back rather than sell it for massive discounts. But try and ask. Come along yeah. to the show and ask. Is the worst they can say is no. Yeah. You go about your business. I got a super awesome um, discount on my backpack that I bought. Did you? Absolutely. I, um, I got the morally toxic one from Three Legged Thing. Love it. And, and I have brought it with me, but um, yeah, I'm. I also have too many bags. So <laughs> one can never have too many bags. I was saying, uh, my friend gave me a bag. I said, I think my daughter's actually got a bag for one of her bags. She she's into it. So yeah, so she has grabbed my stuff. I'm like, Daddy, what have you bought? What have you got me? But uh, yeah, it's just nice to be around and indulge and explore. Absolutely. So you've been working on the uh, photo life stage, yeah, uh, for the last few days. How's how's the uh, how's that been? How's the stage been and the performances? It's been good. We've had a wide, very uh, a varied range of different kinds of photography. Um, a lot of it is normally around light, obviously, because it's lighting setups. But when you get people like Gavin Hoey, who absolute legend, you get him on stage, everyone goes away happy. One of my favorite sessions was Jane Lazenby. She was showing how to create your own textures using coffee stains, shoe polish, um, and just anything that makes color. And she did a live thing on stage. She, she was painting on card and then she photographed it and then put it into Photoshop and was using it as texture overlays for images and, yeah. and fantastic photographs, you know, just applying it. And every single person in here could go home and do that. And, but then when you get someone who gets up on stage who's like, well, you know, I've shot with the Rolling Stones, I've shot with this celebrity, that celebrity, um, my my lighting thing, yeah, this thing's only like 800 pounds and, you know, I've got the new D billion dollar whatever, you know, it's just 80,000 pound camera. It's not relatable. No. So you, I feel you're not really, you're not really taking anything away from it. But then you have someone like shooting, we've had people shoot paint on here, balloons, um, just all different kinds of photography. So what I like about the photo life stage is you do get that varied, uh, varied range of different kinds of photography. But you are, you know, you're kind of limited to the stage. We're recording, we've got people talking through the tannoy. We've got horrible lighting in here. And I think the, the strength of a good photographer is how they overcome the problems and say, you know, when you're on a shoot, something goes wrong, you've got to overcome it. Everything's not perfect. It's, it's pretty much always horrible lighting whenever you shoot on any location. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, we we get to do an episode of He Shoots, He Draws on stage as part of me working for the show, and that's always fun. With we had Kaylee Greer, which was great to have her over. Um, but, yeah, we've had a few good guests up here. And, and I still make friends every year from the people. Tommy Reynolds, last year, I, when I did my report, I said great you know here's the reviews of the shows and i just want to say my legend of the 2021 is tommy reynolds what a lovely guy i wish i wish you could have five of him a day because he's he was just energetic and talks to the audience and that's the kind of sessions we need here i always want to marry tommy up with dave Grohl, so he'd have to eat you know, the nicest guy in rock and a nice guy in photography <laughs> and, yes, and that's what i love when you get people that much enthusiasm about what they do and a smile is infectious and it makes people want to be around them and learn from them and consume their content. I said to Gavin Hoey today, you know, Gavin's a little bit younger than me, but he's got an awesome TikTok channel and his daughter runs it. And um, But he's understood TikTok's a thing I need to explore. His daughter's running it for him. His content's great. I love watching Gavin. I actually haven't come across him. That's a really good tip. I will check that out. 
yeah just um you you just discover one per if you come here every year and you discover one new person that gives you something they'll they'll be around you you can consume their content get in touch with them talk to them tell them you enjoy their content it's a lost art of a lot of people is they don't ever say thank you or love your work and we're creatives we love we hate being told off and we love being praised. Absolutely. And just one little praise, just one person coming up and saying, I appreciate what you do, can give you such a lift. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So there are lots of positive aspects to be had at a photography show. You know, it's it's not only the gear, it's the making friends part. Um, you know, it's the educational part. Yeah. You know, if if you haven't been, make sure you're here next year. Back. Next year, definitely. Yeah. And it's cheap to get in, it's like 10 quid, I think. Well, and if you're professional, of course. Yeah, you're you can... going for free. Exactly. You will not be disappointed.